Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons there. You get all of our content. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out. We do not have a paywall. You get all the written content there. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, including our friend Eric Rubenstein. Go to ericrubenstein.com. That's right, ericrubenstein.com. If you need a personal injury attorney, car accident, slip and falls, medical malpractice, and more, Eric's a huge Miami Heat fan. You can also find him at Ask About Me, I Got You on Instagram. That's right, Ask About Me, I Got You. He has a law degree from St. Thomas University down here in Miami, graduated magna cum laude. He's a smart dude. He knows a lot of people. But the big thing is he's really good in a courtroom, okay? And he will get you the money that you deserve. So go to ericrubenstein.com. He also sponsors all of our IG content as well. So thank him for that, all the stuff that we do post-game. ericrubenstein.com or reach out to him at 954-829-ERIC. That's 829, excuse me, 954-829-ERIC. And now, tonight's episode. Down to this uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the latest episode of Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. I've got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. So yesterday we went through the teams that the Heat might be able to jump in the Eastern Conference. Now we're going to go a little bit further down the standings and talk about some of the teams that may be sellers, because we do know that if the Heat are going to jump anybody, they probably need to make a move. Okay. Like we, we got criticized for being too optimistic yesterday. I think only Greg was, and some of that was tongue in cheek. Uh, You know, I think all of us have the Heat kind of in that three through five range. Maybe Alex and I are a little bit closer to the five range than Greg is, but sort of in that mix outside the play-in, not necessarily a home court seed, although a shot at it. But we also took into account the fact that they may make a transaction at some point, because we, I think we all agree they need to deepen the bench, especially the front court bench uh, and the front court rotation in general, whether Caleb Martin is a starter or not a starter, but there has to be a willing trade partner. And this is the thing that a lot of fans, particularly in the Twitter sphere, okay, don't seem to understand. (laughs) You can't just decide you want somebody. That's not how this works, okay? It doesn't mean you're sleepy Pat, all right, or Andy's not crunching his calculator or any of that stuff. It just means you are looking to make a move potentially, but you need a team to be able to, uh, to have, first thing, have a player you want, Second, have the cap mechanics work, okay? And third, have that team willing to trade with you, okay? Or else you find a third team. And by the way, there are times that three-way deals have broken uh, through, have fallen through, because a team doesn't want the player to get to a particular team. In fact, the Miami Heat are guilty of that. On the other side of it, our friend Norris Cole, who's part of our network, is going to be joining us. He's actually at the showcase in Las Vegas. Uh, He's going to be joining us next week and, and start joining us regularly here on Five on the Floor. Norris was almost traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers after LeBron went to Cleveland because LeBron wanted to play with him again. 
And twice, two times, there were three-way deals that were set up and Pat Riley killed them because the third team was Cleveland. He was sending Norris to another team who was sending Norris to Cleveland. I know this on good authority from people who were working in Cleveland at the time, David Griffin, Kobe Altman, others. I was up in Cleveland that year, but the Heat have never denied that. And Norris knows it. Okay. So that has happened in the past and it still happens. So again, there's a lot of this stuff that goes on behind the scenes uh, that plays into a trade not being made. There has not been a situation that I know of that the Miami Heat were offered a really good player and said, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want that player. Okay. We're not interested in that player. Have they at times said, we can't get you all the picks that you want? Yes. Okay. Have they backed out of certain situations because they knew they couldn't get the picks that the other team wanted or the other team wasn't going to deal with them in the same fair way they might have dealt with another team? Yes. Okay. Has the tax played into it? Yes. At times, of course it does. It's, it hangs over everything. By the way, carnival earnings come out on Wednesday. Watch that. Okay. But this isn't as simple as you just want a player and you get a player. The first thing that has to happen is teams have to decide that they want to part with good players and they have to part with, they want to part with good players for one reason or another, either contractual reason that they don't want to pay the player long-term. Maybe they want to get out from a contract that is already a long-term deal, or the player is going to be a free agent. Okay. That's one thing. Another thing is maybe they have a young player who's ready to play more. So they're ready to move a player who's currently in the rotation. Who's a veteran guy. Maybe the guy doesn't fit in the locker room as it's constituted or the direction that the team wants to go, but they haven't really let that out to anybody, but they want to deal the guy because of that. There's lots of different reasons that teams would be willing to trade. Well, one of the reasons is they're not in the race. And we're going to talk about some of those teams that may pivot to decide they're not in the race. Now, the first team I want to talk about here, because Brady and I, Brady's not here tonight, but on the step back pod, we spent, and I cannot pronounce his name, so I apologize, but he's excellent. Estandier, I believe. Estandier. Alex, you follow him because I he's you would be much better at pronunciation than I would be. Uh, I will give I will give his Twitter handle before we go here. So everybody get him. He he's followed the Raptors for years. Okay. Uh, and he just wrote a, a really good piece on Memphis. But he was talking today about Toronto and the direction that they may go. Because as we speak, they've lost five in a row. Okay. They have a simpler, sim- similar cultural ethos to the Miami Heat. They don't really believe in tanking unless like all else has fallen through. Like if you look a couple of years ago when they were playing in Tampa and they weren't going anywhere, they let the season go. Okay, but they don't really believe in tanking because they believe in their scouting. They have found a ton of good players in the middle of the first round. Okay, Uh, Siakam, others, Ananobi, et cetera, like the Heat have with Hero, with Bam and all that. And they develop guys. So they believe in all that. So they don't necessarily think they have to tank. And they're in a market now. Toronto expects success. Okay, that they're Canada's team now from a basketball perspective. Uh, there's big support for that team. They want that team to be good year after year. They don't really buy into the tanking thing. But I asked him, I said, look, if this continues, will he move guys? And he says he thinks there could be a soft reset. You and I have talked about that, Greg, where maybe they decide, okay, we're going to build around Barnes and Ananobi. Okay. And if they build around Barnes and Ananobi, then there's a couple of things here. One, it starts with maybe moving Van Vliet and Gary Trent Jr., Okay, guys who wouldn't necessarily help the Heat on their face. They're not the types of loyal. Gary Trent's a very good shooter. But then there's the other thing. I said, could they trade Siaka? And he said, only if things go really, really poorly. Um, And I recommend everybody listen to the Step Back Pod where we get into that. You can find that wherever you can find this. 
Ananobi's a guy we've talked about, but do you see anything? But he says he doesn't think they move OG because he's on a similar age wise. He's on a similar timeline to Scotty Barnes. Greg, do you see anything in Toronto that would be of interest? I mean, there's a couple of ways to look at Toronto. Uh, one, obviously they're sliding. Uh, they're three and 11 on the road. Uh, so like, that's not obviously heading in the right direction. Um, last 10, they're two of eight, two and eight. So things are just not going right for Toronto. And this is where there's a couple of things that I like about, we're keeping this in the context of teams that could potentially sell and we're trying to identify them as it relates to the Miami heat. Well, Toronto, to your point in the similar ethos that they um, have cultivated there, uh, look at me sneaking in culture. Um, they want guys that can contribute. So like there is a part of this where I think Toronto is an interesting team for Miami to do deals with because they don't necessarily in every scenario, I think just want straight up picks. Like they could take players that would be functional for them moving forward. So that helps Miami. In my opinion, the other part of it is that if we ever get to the point, where Kyle Lowry becomes a conversation point in any of these trade conversations, sending Kyle Lowry back to Toronto, I think is the one place where if that were to be the way that this went ultimately in some sort of crazy trade that took place, all sides could probably handle Kyle Lowry ending back up where he, where we all know he's going to end ultimately and retire one day to have his Jersey retired, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably the reason why Toronto is attractive to me. And also I think OG is probably one of the few guys in the league that can actually be good enough on this heat build to really turn things around quickly. So I've, I'm optimistic because of that as well. Well, I did talk to him, by the way, uh, so I can I can try to bungle this pronunciation uh, even worse. Esfandir Bahar Barahani. He said I got There's no need for the pause. I, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. I don't run through it. Just run through I, it. I, I, I'm trying to run through it, but you know I'm not very good at this. But anyway, he, he was excellent on the podcast. I did ask him the Lowry question before I get to Alex on this. Uh, I, I, I don't think he I don't think there's a huge appetite for that, at least from his perspective in terms of what Toronto would want. Uh, he kind of laughed at the prospect, although he did obviously acknowledge that Kyle said he wanted to finish his career in Toronto, even if it was just a one-day contract, right? So um, we, we've talked about the idea of Dwayne coming back. This sort of thing has happened before where a player comes back. So it could, I mean, Zoe went to Toronto. We didn't really play there, but he came back, uh, you know, afterwards as well, after going to Jersey and Toronto. Alex, what do you see in Toronto? Because I, I, to me, the OG thing and the Pascal thing seem like a bit of a pipe dream. Um, if they decide that they want to they want to go the other direction, does Van Vliet interest you in any way if you're swapping out a bunch of guards? Or more, more to me, Gary Trent's more interesting, right, as another shooter? See, that's the thing. They have a lot of guys who would be interesting, not only for the Heat, but for a lot of good NBA teams. And so that's the, the good thing. And it's the, the problem too, right? Is like a lot of other teams would bid for most of these players, all of these players, just obviously to different degrees. But honestly, I, you know, the four players you just named right there, all of them would bring different things to the heat. And, and I would take any single one of them, right? And not that I, the, the Van Vliet thing is a little bit tougher because I don't know that I, I, I would do it, but he's just so much younger 
that I think just off of that alone, that would be, that would be interesting. He's obviously, uh, I think, a much better shooter than Kyle is at this point, even though Kyle's a good shooter. But Van Vliet will get it off. However, um, you know, Kyle's a better defender, is bigger, can guard up better because of those things. But we know his limits. So that part is interesting. Trent, uh, of course, as a shooter, is interesting, who can be an inconsistent defender. Uh, you know, I'm being generous there. Sometimes he looks all right. Sometimes a lot of other times he doesn't. But definitely, I think, could be useful useful for the Heat. Siakam is an all-star. Like, that, you would have, you would have a, a real legitimate big three if you added him to a core of Jimmy and Bam. And I know Siakam is not, you know, people like to joke on him, but I, I mean, and that would be a, a kind of a wonky fit, but just that's, that's a real big three right there of just talent and incredible defensive versatility. And I think the OG thing is a similar thing. And, you know, OG doesn't create offenses at the same level that Siakam does, but he is the cleanest fit for this roster and would be an incredible fit as a four here with how strong uh, he is as a three and D guy. He's just way more than that at this point. He can, he can create his own shots for himself too. So like any one of those guys would be interesting. And like Leif said, like they've been competitive for so long. And I think just, you know, even the start of the season, I would have said, I don't know that I want to see the Raptors in the first round if I'm the heat. Right. And I still kind of feel that way. Not that, I don't think that he could beat him or anything like that, but I want to see what happens for a little while first to see if they kind of come back up to the level that we expect them to be, or if they continue sinking. Right. So um, I think they have, you know, about a month or so to really evaluate whether or not what direction they want to go, because they really are set up to go in whatever direction that they end up choosing. Right. Whether it's um, doing a soft reset, like you mentioned, whether it's doing a hard reset and trading multiple guys, including Siakam and Van Vliet, or, whether it's maybe flipping one or two of those guys and going for an upgrade, right? Which we've talked about the Raptors being a team like that in the past. There hasn't been an all-star that's out there on the trade market yet, but you know what I mean? Like it feels like any one of these situations are viable for them, especially, you know, especially if they start winning games and looking like a pretty good team again. So. What do we think of Chicago? Let's pivot to them next. Uh, because they don't mess. seem to think much of themselves. Uh, Goran Dragic, poor Goran Dragic. We talk about Toronto. Uh, he didn't want to be there. Brooklyn, he complained about the culture there. Chicago, he's complaining they're not playing for each other. It seems like Goran just misses Miami. But there also seems to be some truth to this. Um, Zach Levine's getting scorched in the press up there. The fit with him and DeRozan, which looked pretty good at first, does not look good this year. They, we, they don't know when they're going to have Lonzo Ball back. Uh, Vucevic has played better this year, but it hasn't seemed to matter. They're not getting development from Patrick Williams. Second in offensive rating, Ethan, 22nd. Well, right, and they're not supposed to be, although I guess with all the mid-range guys they've got on that team, it's not a huge surprise. Like, what do you see there? I'll start with you, Alex. Like, what do you see there that you would like? And then, Greg, maybe we can get into some specifics on it because, to me, they got caught in this situation where they had a guy who they had to pay max money. They had no choice, but he's not a max player. Like, that's the worst place to be in with with with, uh, with a pseudo star. Like Zach Levine to me, he's a star, I guess, but he's not a superstar but you had to pay him like a superstar and he's not necessarily a guy who plays well with others all the time. And now they're stuck. I mean, the heat aren't going to go after Levine. They just paid hero. Right. So what, what, what do you see on that roster, Alex, that you might have interest in? If Lonzo ball was healthy, I know the heat would have interest in him, but he's not. Yeah. I mean, you can go through a few guys here really quickly, but you know, the bulls just seem kind of like a train wreck. Like I said, they're 22nd in offensive rating. There was a, it was a team that, you know, when they were winning games last season, especially at the beginning, 
Um, it was because of their offense, right? And that was the flashes that they showed. And yeah, the Levine thing has gotten weird because obviously he got paid big time money. The Bulls kind of had to pay him, like you said. But also, I think because of the injuries, uh, I think that's kind of affecting his game a little bit. I think he's shown that he can play with other guys, but it's not necessarily like you feel great about it. Obviously, they're not producing right now. So I think Levine in general would be, a, uh, yes, something interesting for the Heat to look into. Don't think that would happen um, probably not this season unless, you know, Levine, you know, just comes back next season, has a great year and becomes available again. I, you know, Tyler just got re-signed, like you said, so I don't think – I don't see that as a viable option. The DeRozan thing finally happening, happening excuse me, would be kind of intriguing. I think, you know, obviously you would have to find a way to make it happen without trading Kyle because I think that would be kind of part of the intrigue there is DeRozan coming to play with Kyle and Jimmy, who are two of his closest friends. Um, we talked about the Heat and their – terrible offense DeRozan wouldn't be the cleanest fit in the world but he's a great offensive weapon still despite the the mid-range shots and, and all that which by the way the Heat are 12th in um as far as frequency like I still think the guy is a really good player and the Heat would be able to work around whatever flaws and weird fits I think a guy that good even if he's not a tier a superstar or whatever like they shouldn't be they should have snubbed snub their nose at, at something like that right but um other guys who I think would be cool, Caruso, right? Just in general, he's a good player. Not sure how that would work out um, as far as a trade. Patrick Williams, you know, he's somebody who I think had a lot of expectations coming in, and it hasn't necessarily worked out. They need him to be better than he is now. It's not really the case. So, uh, I don't know. Like, they have some interesting guys. I think DeRozan is the most interesting prospect there as far as something that could happen. They should what do, sell. What do you think, Greg? Anything there? The DeMar DeRozan conversation is interesting because I know that multiple players on the Heat would love the idea of bringing him in and trying to figure that out. I think DeMar DeRozan has played some small ball four in Chicago uh, just by virtue of Patrick Williams not being healthy and them having to try different things. So I think him and Jimmy both like embracing moments or portions throughout the game where they play at the four and trying to make that work, there's upside there that I think a veteran team trying to squeeze squeeze one ring out of a run could. That's interesting to me, right? Demar Derozan makes twenty seven point three million dollars. So to me, this would signal a move that likely would have to uh, include a protected first round draft pick of some kind. And you would have to be willing to take on a bit more salary than you send out most likely and go into the tax. So those would be the questions you'd have to ask yourself. There are ways um, to make the math work where you don't go into the tax, but I don't know that any package that does not um, that stays out of the tax is good enough for Chicago to accept. And also who else is offering stuff because DeMar DeRozan was almost locked and loaded head, heading to the Lakers. He thought he was going to be a Laker. He said it on a podcast recently, and then all of a sudden ended up in Chicago with the bulls. So like, who knows who else gets involved, but to me, this would be a move where if you want to try to make it work. And I do think the heat could make this work. I know it feels clunky, DeMar DeRozan is an interesting name to me. I'm not as much sold on Vucevic as a player that I like, but De DeRozan is the one. Will they pay the tax? Caruso, I mean, 
you could trade Victor Oladipo for Caruso head up. You could do Dwayne Dedman and Jovich, like, mm. but I don't know that they're necessarily going to look to make that type of move. Maybe Caruso and Derek Jones Jr. together. That's like 12 mm. million. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm getting off Goran track. Derek? Well, Gora's got nothing. Well, <laughs> Gora's contract is what? That men 1.8 million essentially. Yeah. I mean, that's not going to do a whole lot, but I mean, the Derek Williams, th- I mean, Derek Jones thing, obviously Bam would appreciate that. I don't know what kind of role Derek Jones would have on this team. I feel like they've upgraded significantly there with Caleb Martin and everything, I guess, but pure athleticism. I, I guess the question with Chicago is, can they rebuild? Like, I, you know, it, it feels like in that market, it's taken them so long to get competitive again. Well, first after post Jordan, but then they get competitive with Rose. They have a good run with all that. Rose gets hurt. They kind of go the other direction. And now they built what they thought was a good team in the Eastern conference. They look like at, at best a play in team right now. So I don't know if they would make move. I guess the other thing to think about here is, I mean, is DeMar DeRozan worth, I, I guess I know what you and I are going to answer Greg, but is DeMar DeRozan worth going to the tax for? Uh, based based on the heats based on the heats view of it or the arisons view of it which is that you have to be seriously contending i mean if you added if you somehow added demar Derozan without giving up tyler hero is that team good enough to to get out of the eastern conference absolutely. it might be right absolutely and again not that Derozan would just <clears throat> fix all their problems they would still have size issues of course if you're bringing in multiple players that would be nice uh, i'm not sure how that would work out like you know what Vucevic back of five seems like a luxury. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, let's cut to the chase. DeMar DeRozan is about as good a player as you could ever expect to add to this Heat team while keeping, as Eric Spolstra coined them, the big four. So I think, like, if we talk about it in that context, like... Like he's easily going to be one of the most talented, best players that you can get. So if he's not good enough while keeping the big four, then I don't know that any other player that we're going to identify will be. And so to me, it he has to be good enough to pay the tax for. He's not know. trading one of those big four. That means it's probably got to be two first plus other things to make the money work as well. Right. I mean, I would think, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to package a whole bunch of stuff to get something like that done. I mean, look, we obviously know that Jimmy would like to play with DeMar DeRozan, right? I mean, just like he wanted to play with Kyle Lowry, he wanted to play with DeMar DeRozan. Basketball fit, um, I'll go to you on this, Alex, then we'll go to another team. It's not ideal, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, we talked about this when they almost got DeRozan. We were talking about getting DeRozan like a complete bargain basement price, which was probably never feasible. Um, but at that price, you're like, okay, let's take a shot on it. But when you're talking about paying DeRozan what he's getting paid now, and you're saying, okay, you've got a player that's very similar offensively, at least in Jimmy, not defensively. Yeah, no. It's it, it is a wonky fit, especially if you're talking about like you know not trading any one of the the quote unquote big four. Uh, so you might have to start him at the four because you know they're not going to put Tyler back on the bench, and then it gets really weird. But it's so intriguing because even though that lineup, you might get some you know, mitigated results from, from individual guys, because everybody kind of needs the ball in their hands for the most part to different degrees. I just think, you know, he's such a weapon offensively that even if his shot diet is the most efficient, right. In, in the, the modern era of the NBA, he's really good at what he does, man. And he still gets the, the line a lot. Like he's become a better playmaker as he's aged in his career. I just think he is, I think a smarter and more, 
mature player than he was even towards the end of Toronto when he was still a very, very good player. Like despite all the, the failures, once he got to the conference finals and those things, like he's just a very good player. He was an MVP candidate for like the first half of last season. And even though I don't consider him that level of player, um, he was there for a reason. Like the guy can produce and produce at a high level and the heat for, all the questions that we're talking about here is it's like DeRozan is an offensive first player. And even though it wouldn't be the greatest fit because the heat shot that it kind of favors a three. And I don't know, I think DeRozan just taking up a lot of their usage there. It would take a lot of pressure off of Jimmy and Bam to, and, and Tyler as well, because he would still be on the team and it was, it's just so many options to go through. And it's like, then you won't have to rely so much on your role guys making threes and you just have another guy to go to who will give you consistent offense and you don't have to go to him every time. You're not signing up for him to be the number one guy taking all the shots, but he will get a good amount of shots here. And it's weird to think about all five of them playing together, but of course you can stagger the hell out of those guys. So I just think there's a lot you can do there, especially if you can somehow manage to add a four as well in a theoretical trade like this. So it's fun to think of these things. I don't think it's going to happen or anything like that, but I think they should absolutely pay the tax for that, especially, like I said, if you can grab another player who will help you in your closing rotation. They were in the finals two seasons ago. They were almost in the finals again last season. Like, they've talked about themselves like they're contender now. So what are we talking about? They had another all-star player who was an MVP candidate at the beginning of last season. Like, you got to go all in if you have that, that opportunity. You're not all even right, trading gonna- Tyler. Like, what's the risk? All right, we're going to – well, that's true. We're going to blitz through some of these other teams here in a second. Before we do, we want to – give you uh, some of our sponsors here on the five reasons sports network and then five on the floor. We always mention prize picks. That's our fantasy sponsor. Use the code five F I V E get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars. You play two, three, four, five, six players together, play the NFL with the NBA. If you want, obviously the world cups over, but they got plenty of other stuff on there, including NHL Prizepicks.com, or get it at the Google play store, the Apple app store. Again, use that code five F I V E to get your initial deposit matched up to $100. Also, for your premium CBD, you go to go to therapistpreferred.com. Therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN there. That's the number 5RSN. Get 25% off the tincture, the sports cream, the gummies. As we're speaking here, the, uh, the Raptors are losing again, by the way. So uh, therapistpreferred.com. Use the code 5RSN. Get 25% off there, again, at therapistpreferred.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Let's blitz through these here real quick, okay? Uh, we've got it because we got a bunch, all right? So we've discussed Toronto, we've discussed Chicago. We're staying in the Eastern Conference here for a couple of reasons. One, 
uh, we want to be able to focus sort of deep dive on, on some of these teams as we did on Toronto and Chicago, because those look like the ones that are kind of stuck in the middle right now that were supposed to be pretty good teams. So that's why we started with them. Also, there's more teams in the East that seems like they're in this position. The West is kind of murky right now. Like the Lakers and Golden State are currently in play-in spot, not even in play-in spots. They're beneath play-in spots. They're 11 and 12. And now Steph and Anthony Davis are going to be out for weeks. So they may be stuck there. So you've got some teams we thought were going to give up players, a Utah uh, that may hang around a little bit longer. Some of the other teams there have been surprises. I mean, Minnesota has been sort of bad, but they're 10th in the West. Uh, you know, the, the Clippers have gotten their act together a little bit, but again, some of these teams we expected to really struggle in the Western conference have not. And a couple of the so-called powers, not that we expected the Lakers to be a power this year, but they have star power. Uh, they, they're, uh, they're outside of the play-in as we speak. So we're sticking to the East right now. Let's go through, uh, a few of these, um, Charlotte, not expecting them to be very good this year, uh, they have the Miles Bridges situation. LaMelo Ball is, uh, you know, he's he was out for a little bit. He's been a little bit up and down. They don't have a whole lot of talent on that roster. It looks like they need to tank, but they'll end up picking the wrong player anyway. Do they have anybody useful, Greg? I mean, I don't know. Could we – I don't want to classify Gordon Hayward as use, useful because I don't want him on the heat. Um, I think Terry Rozier does some interesting things, but also not sure he's the guy for the heat. Um, To me, this looks like a team that PJ Washington is a player that if you were willing to commit to him long-term, he fits. And I know that the heat have liked him and looked at him in the past. So that's the name that jumps out the most to me. Mason Plumlee's on a one year, $9 million expiring contract. And he's a viable big man who started a lot in this league. So that's a player you could also watch. Also uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. Who's a scorer um, and basically looks for his own offense most uh, throughout the entire game is also on a $12.6 million expiring contract. So they have a lot of chips that I think personally, they probably are going to be looking for more long-term assets than Miami necessarily has. So like, I think the heat could maybe get in on one of these guys, but they're going to be looking to do multiple transactions where they can restock as much as possible as they rebuild this team again. But to me, the guy I like most is PJ Washington. I all, but I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I don't know that he's good enough to convince uh, ownership to go into any tax or even future tax. So to that point, I find Charlotte to get a little weird if we're not talking about the expiring contract players that they have to offer. What do we think? I mean, is, is PJ Washington at this stage enough of an upgrade to give up something significant, Alex? No, not anything significant, not worth getting into the tax for. Like if he's somebody that they decide they want to move on from and, you know, they're not expecting too much, then that's something that I think would be worth moving in on. Obviously, you know, having crunched the numbers on what re-signing him would look like or anything like that. But just basketball-wise, he would be a solid fit. I think sometimes people on Heat Twitter play him up like he's better than he is, but he's all right. Like he, he, would, he would work as a two-way four. Um, he's not exactly like awesome on either end. I just think he's solid for a young player. He could get better, of course. Um, so yeah, that's fine. I, I think he would be interesting. Um, and the Plumlee thing, like I know he's always, especially he Twitter, Heat fans have made jokes on Plumlee always. But look, man, as a backup five, you could do a lot worse. Like Plumlee is a decent player. Um, as far as 
you know, when you're talking about a, a backup five, he's decent. He can, you know, play make a little bit from the high post. He's, uh, let's, let's just say, sneaky athletic. You know, <laughs> he's solid. He, he's as solid as they come. So those are the two guys I think. Ubre, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure there's a trade there that I would like for him. He, I don't know that he fits. He, he, he does look for his offense a lot. But, you know, he's, he's a streaky shooter. Greg, what's the next team? We'll do them quickly. Washington, um, they are sliding big time. They lost to L.A. in dramatic fashion the other night. Um, they're, they've lost 10 straight. Uh, as you look at their roster, Kyle Kuzma is a player that I think Heat fans may be interested in. Porzingis is also a player that Miami has quietly looked at in the past. Um, so who knows there? Bradley Beal. Are we really going to have the Bradley Beal conversation again? I mean, like, seriously? Um, so so that's Washington. Orlando is another team that I think uh, will be looking to sell. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to play all the bigs that they re-signed in classic Orlando Magic fashion. So uh, maybe a player like Mo Bamba becomes available with a Terrence Ross, who's a proven scorer as a veteran. I'm blitzing these for you, Ethan, uh, the other one. And it's one that I think we'll definitely maybe need to discuss further as the deadline gets closer. That's the Detroit Pistons. We know that. The direction they're going Cade Hunt Cade Cunningham done for the rest of the year so they have a lot of young pieces that I think would intrigue Miami um and even some old faces that uh you know could potentially help as well oh wait no they don't anymore um oh Rodney Magruder's still on the roster yes <laughs> so he could be added as well that's kind of the blitz of the east the west is a different story you alluded to it it is insane to me that the eighth seed in the West or the ninth or the 10th seed somewhere around there is only five games back in the lost column of the mm -hmm. one seed. Mm -hmm. That is insane parody. I don't know if that's going to help or hurt the trade market. If teams are going to think, wow, we're this close, we should go for it. Or if it's just going to keep everyone stagnant. Well, I, I think it's going to keep them stagnant for a little while. And I think you're going to see a blitz like the two weeks before the deadline. I, I think there's going to be a lot of waiting until some of these contracts are vested. We know the heat are waiting in, in part with that with Deadman. But then I think as we get up into the trade deadline, uh, that's going to be, you know, something to monitor there, because I, I think teams are going to get a sense. Well, wait, wait a second. We can make the playoffs. We can get a top four seed uh, and you're going to see some players move. I don't think you're going to see Memphis go the other direction or Denver go the other direction. Uh, I, I think those teams believe that they should be up there. I think the same for Phoenix. I'll be more adding a piece, but some of the ones, like I said, maybe a Utah, maybe a Minnesota tries to recoup some picks uh, if they are in a, in a bad situation because, you know, they've given up so many picks for Gobert, but let's pivot back to the East right here before we close Alex. The, Detroit is the one that really jumps out to me because we know their direction, right? Like the, as I mentioned, they've shut down Cade Cunningham. The heat love Bogdanovich. Like, is that the target there? I mean, what oh, would yeah. you have to give up? I mean, you're setting me up because, you know, I like Bogdanovich. Um, the fact that you said that he loved him is very interesting to me. I know they drafted him and traded him. So they already have some sort of history there. But I, I do think for a team that looks for three-point shooting as much as they have and gets good offense off of running guys through off-ball actions or just straight up on ball to get shooters open like Duncan and Max and others in the past like I think he, he would be an awesome fit there even if you know he's thought of as like old or whatever and he, he doesn't necessarily move very quickly but the, the that doesn't really matter when you're talking about shooting gravity and a guy who does those things right can 
play off ball, but also can get his own bucket. He's just an elite shooter. And I think you could do more stuff offensively. And he's, he's a real weapon still. And if you can get him at a decent price, I totally think that's a move, a move uh, worth looking into. I just think he would be an amazing fit. Uh, He doesn't necessarily solve your problems as a four with size or defense or anything of that sort, but they're already a great defense. Of course, you want to see him get a little bigger for some of these playoff matchups that you're worried about, but Bogdanovich from a basketball perspective, awesome fit. I think, you know, Nernas Noel has been phased out there with all the young bigs they have. Not that he's, you know, just he's not killing it or anything like that. As a backup five, you could do worse. I wouldn't mind that. Um, And there was talk about them maybe being down to move uh, Sadiq Bey, which is interesting to me for a young team to be out on him like that. Seems like kind of a red flag. Uh, but he hasn't been that bad either. So I, that one was struck me as a little bit weird. I obviously would be into that as well. And just some of the other teams Leif mentioned there, the Magic, Mobamba would be interesting. He, you know, there's between Bol Bol and also to a lesser extent, Mo Wagner in Orlando, um, among the other bigs they already have playing. Like there's just a lot going on there. And it seems like Bamba could be one to be moved. And that, that kind of makes sense for the Heat too. And uh, I'm forgetting the other. Oh, Washington, of course. Uh, of course. I Yes, uh, Kuzma would be a really nice fit here, I think. Another guy who Heat fans have made jokes about forever. I would totally be into it, even if you do got to pay for him. And I think that would be kind of the controversial part here is you probably got to pay um, north of 20 mil a season for a guy like Kuzma. And I think he's worth it. Like, I think he's a good player. And 20 mil is kind of like the the what the max was a decade ago and i think people still kind of cringe a little bit when they see a guy like who's getting paid 20 something mil and it's like you know that's about what you pay a guy of his level in, in this day and age so i think it'd be worth it he's a young younger player not super young but you've already seen him um work for championship teams and that's before he's gotten you know he got better since he got traded from the lakers so i'll be into that the Beal thing is a whole other conversation. I don't know how, how that would even work logistically. With I can't. I can't. I, no, we're not. No, no. no yeah. Thank no. you. Yes. Of no, course, the Heat would no. be. We can't no. act like the Heat wouldn't be interested, at least a, a, a little bit. Not that they will go all in or anything no, like that. The no, Porzingis thing is no. not that bad either. Porzingis so is more interesting than Beal. I'm not discussing Beal again. We've wasted too many podcast hours. We appreciate all the downloads of that particular podcast. Of those particular podcasts, we are not discussing Bradley Beal. Literally, until he's wearing a Heat uniform. We are not uh, we're, a couple more things, but really quick before I'm done, but we forgot to mention the Hornets have the worst record in the league, which I right. think is hilarious. I mean, obviously they've had a, a lot of guys in and out. They don't have miles bridges. Lamelo was out for a long time, but that was funny. And you mentioned the jazz. I would absolutely love Lowry, uh, Lowry marketing for this team. I think he would be a huge offensive upgrade. You could use him in a lot of different ways. Again, a team that values shooting so much. He's a great shooter and has, is able to get to his shot by himself now as well in different ways as a four in inside the arc. Um, and so I think he would be a great fit here. Obviously, Olenek to a lesser extent, we know he can work here. Uh, Vanderbilt, don't think the Jazz are going to make him available since he's younger, but he, he's an insanely good rebounder and defensive four who's young, so I will be down for that as well. Just I don't know, though, because the Jazz are like 17 and 15. They're pretty good. I do think they should sell, and Danny Ainge seemed like that's what he was – um, gonna do but it's it's just been a you know they seem to be a lot better than we gave them credit for a lot better so i don't know where, where they're gonna go well we they have, have so many the west in like an, sorry ethan we have to talk about the west probably in another month or so yeah i don't think we're there yet but i i do think the fact that utah has so many picks coming up means that if they don't think they can get a top three or four pick this year 
uh, with their own first round pick, they might as well just play well. I mean, they might as well get their young guys some experience because they've got so many picks coming up and so many other opportunities to move up. All right. Thanks to our sponsors. Prize picks. Use the code five therapist preferred. Use the code five RSN and Eric Rubenstein.com. We'll be back on game coverage. The heat and the bulls. Uh, Brady, Alex, and I will be there on Tuesday night. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the five on the floor on the five regional sports network. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. After the holidays, a little cash goes a long way. The Chime checking account has tons of benefits to help, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of fee-free ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today at chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA members of FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer.